I'm recording. Okay. Starting in three. I'll let Justin put his cat down real quick. Or right, never. Starting in three, two. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Char Shots Gamescast. This is the podcast dedicated to the games we've been playing and the news we've been reading. Uh, I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. The Marvelous Sagan, joining me and as he's cuddling his cat uh, for audio listeners. Uh, Justin. Justin, welcome back. You want to say something, Weasley? You want to talk to the people? No? Okay, fine. And, of course, joining us is Chief Godzilla-ologist, Tyler. Welcome back, buddy. Meow. And from that awkward segment, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, there's nowhere to go from there. Uh, this is, uh, and of course, I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. The Marvel Siggy. Um, again, this is the Chart Shots Games cast. Uh, we are a podcast dedicated to the games we've been playing and the news we've been reading. I think that's how that goes. It's been a while since I've hosted. Um, so, uh, E3 has come and gone. We took a week off just because of circumstances. E3 was very uh, complexing and uh Stuff that happened to me uh, in my life has been very, very tiresome. So, uh, but the show is officially back on scheduled order. So this might be a lighter show than normal, just because of content-wise. But we're hoping to bring you something fun, in regardless. So, uh, speaking of that, let's get into what we've been playing recently. Uh, Justin, um, ramble on for twenty-five minutes as you do. I uh, probably, I probably won't be able to do that. I will say we didn't technically and take time. the week off last week. We watched Space Jam. Um, yeah. so check that out because we, we took a week off from doing the games cast. So, well, yes, I'm just saying like we put out content that is space jam and you should still watch it or I'm listen it. to Absolutely. it. Watch the movie while listening to it. That's that. There we go. Use that one. Listen to us talk while watching space jam. Yes. There's a lot of sports facts, arguably too many sports facts. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Sports facts and voice acting at, uh, facts. That's true. This is why you don't do a podcast. You don't. You don't. You don't. You're not a sports fan with with game people. They just don't understand. Parents just don't understand. No nerds don't understand. Uh, anyways, Justin, uh, That's Ratchet true. and Clank. Yeah. So I beat Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. That game's super good. Um, and Ben is leaving. <laughs> and. Uh, I'm actually playing through it a second time. I'm about halfway through uh, in challenge mode, which is like the new game plus that pretty much every Ratchet and Clank game has had, I think, where um, in recent ones, at least I have I the only other one I played challenge mode in was the uh, PS4 remake thing. Um, I didn't do it for the others because I was trying to get the review out. So I just do it, did one run. But as far as I know, in all of them, you get like more uh upgrades for your weapons and stuff um occasionally there's like a bonus weapon or whatever that you get and then um it's basically just playing through the game again like with your you know your max stats and uh like a bolt multiplier so you can just get like hella money um like like i said i'm about halfway through my second run and i have like two and a half million bolts and I I own all the weapons. So nice. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all that money. Um Stonks. Yeah. 
Maybe I'll maybe I'll get into the the Ratchet and Clank stock stock market. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, Sprock Sprock market is that like sprockets? You know, like is that a is that a pun? Is that a thing? Court coin. It should be court coin. Court coin's good. Yeah, I like that. Um. Anyway, yeah, the game's super good. I still don't really want to spoil it. Uh, I'm trying to save that for my actual video on it, which I have a lot of pages. <laughs> so far of notes from my replay um it's it (sighs) for those that know i've put out two videos so far one on the ps2 trilogy of games and one on the ps3 games and each of them is about an hour long i'm pretty sure my review of rift apart is also going to be an hour long just just the one game um boy i really like it and there's a lot to say like and in my defense, I'm, I'm splitting it up so it's, like, spoiler-free review, and then, spo- like, like full-game spoilers, like, basically running through the game, like, planet-by-planet, planet, and then, like, ending it with a ranking of all of the games in order. So, like, it's, it's technically not just a review of the game, but, yeah, I have a lot to say. Um, but as far as, like, talking about it here, it's, it's still kind of hard to talk about because there's really not a lot you can say, like content wise without getting deep into spoilers um but there's some really cool planets like since it's been a few weeks since we've talked about you know the games we've been playing on the show i'll still kind of briefly recap um there there's a few planets where you like actively switch dimensions just like as you explore the planet um so it basically switches between two maps of the same planet um when you hit these, like, what are called Blizzon crystals. And <laughs> it's basically just the PS5 flexing. Because it's like, look, I can load this map in no time. Boop. And then you're there. Um, and, like, they even do it where you hit the crystal while on a grind rail. And don't stop your momentum, but switch dimensions. It's absurd. Um, like, the action scenes in this are great. Like, just a step above anything that we've seen before. Um, and I think part of that's because, like, this is the first Ratchet and Clank game that's come out post-Spider-Man. So... Yeah, I imagine that there'd be something to do with that. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot more of the, like, kind of physics-based, like, you know, grind rail sections and, like, the new Phantom Dash, like, kind of platforming along walls and things like that. That feels kind of Spider-Man inspired. And I'm a big fan, obviously. Um, so yeah, just the momentum you get is incredible. And basically every planet has its own kind of gimmick. Like, you know, I mentioned the dimension shifting, but there's a lot of other really cool examples too. Um, they play it a little safe with the gadgets, I'll say. Like, there's not really anything new outside of the Phantom Dash. And there's no, like, button press gadget. You know, like, there's nothing... Like the um, the Terminator or whatever it was called before, where it's like you equip this gadget and like use it in puzzles or whatever. Everything is context sensitive. It's like you've got your swing shot, you've got you know the the grind boots, the mag boots, things like that that just activate when you are in that situation, um, or like is on a context sensitive button like the swing shot. Um, so like they bring in a new one that's kind of like a like the swing shot on steroids, but it's the same thing. It's just, it's a different colored, uh, like activation point 
Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, in some ways, it feels kind of safe. But it's like instead of throwing a bunch of like gadget gimmicks at you, they throw a bunch of planet gimmicks at you. So like the things you do on each planet are super unique from each other. But they don't have you bogged down with like, you know, unnecessary gadget puzzles or anything. So it's kind of a good thing, but it also it's it's still a little bit more combat heavy. Um It's not like up your arsenal type where you're just in constant combat gauntlets. But these planets are quite a bit bigger. So, you know, you'll you'll do a little platforming section and then have, like, a few waves of enemies. And then another little platforming section and another few waves of enemies. Like, it's kind of... There's a formula by the end, for sure. Um, but also every planet feels different enough that it never, like... It doesn't overstay its welcome or anything. So, yeah. Great game. Um, I'm almost to the Platinum... I have to find all the Kreger bears, which are one of the collectibles. And um, you get the Mathematic again, which like basically puts all the collectibles on, on the map. So you can, you know, find all the bolts and things like that. But these Kreger bears aren't, like, put on the map with your Mathematic gadget. So um, I've had a hard time finding all of those. Because they're, like, this big um, for audio. They're, they're really small. <laughs> and the size of my thumb. Yeah. And, um, like, they're they're not really off the beaten path or anything. It's just you don't notice them when you're walking by. Um, so once I find all those, and then I think there's one more hidden trophy that I need to look up, because I've done one and a half trips and haven't unlocked it yet. Um, but yeah, I'm almost to the Platinum. That would be the third of three PS3 games that I've Platinum. Platinumed. Platinumed. There we go. Um, like, as in, like, native PS5 games. Well, I guess Miles Morales isn't technically a native PS5 game. It is for well, me, I though. I mean, it kind of is, um, by technicality's uh, argument, I suppose. Well, like, it is though. also on PS4. Yeah. But, like, it was mostly advertised for PS5 because, you know, that's the big bad enhancement, right? Right. For sure. To me, it's a PS5 game, but I'm just saying it is a technically a cross-gen title, but whatever. The other two, like, aside from Ratchet & Clank, are Astro's Playroom and Miles Morales. So, you know, in good company as far as platinuming games goes. Um, but yeah, aside from that, um, I have been doing some Samus Returns on stream, and... I, I still really like that game. And I kind of got it set up in a way that uh, you don't need to use the touchscreen at all, like when you emulate it. So you can actually map like portions of the touchscreen to a button. Um, so you just kind of like select the, the you know region that's being like clicked or whatever. And then you set the button that like activates that, that area of the touchscreen. Um, so it allows me to do like weapon switching on the triggers, for example, um, which makes a huge difference. And so, like, the game is infinitely more playable with an actual controller and not the, like, arthritis-inducing configuration that you have on the 3DS. Uh, but the the problem is, like, Mercury Steam made a very good game based on a game that's just okay. 
Yeah. Because like Metroid Two has its its fair share of flaws. Um, and you, you can't really do anything about that because it's the structure of the game. Like the idea of each area, sorry, each area having like a set number of Metroids to kill before you can move on. Like that's kind of antithetical to the whole idea of Metroid being like, you know, the, the free roam, like nonlinear structure. Um, and I mean, they do the best they can with that and it's still a great game. But I was kind of struggling a little bit with some of that because, like, basically the the way the structure works is you get every power-up in an area and then you have free reign to explore the rest of the area using those new power-ups. But basically all you're doing is tracking down Metroids at that point. So it just kind of slows down the pacing when, like, if it was more linear, like Fusion, for example where everything is somewhat along the path and you're getting upgrades and killing Metroids and, like, you know, it just kind of naturally flows that way, that's fine. But with this, it's... You basically can only go one way to get the items. And then once you get the items, it's just a a ridiculous open map with Metroids all over the place. And you just kind of have to, like, search them out. And I don't enjoy that uh, that structure as much. Like, some people do. That's fine. It's just, it's not my style of, like, what I like out of a Metroid game. Um, so, yeah, that's why, like, starting this Thursday, me and Ben are going to be switching uh, back to a multiplayer thing. Um, and we're going to start up Resident Evil 5. Um, yes. I I did plead a little bit for people to not make me play RE6, but I would have been fine with it. Sure you would just, have. You know. I would have. I just, mm-hmm. I would prefer 5, so I'm Why glad I Why don't I, I believe you? I would. I mean, I would have. Okay. I own it, so, like, it's, you know, clearly, like, I'm willing to play it. I just, Five is the lesser of two Resident Evils. Yeah. It's true. Um, but yeah, I, I am excited to jump back into that one because, like, I remember it, you know, just being okay, but, like, I think it'll be a fun co-op experience. Like, I think our yeah. shenanigans will be good. Um, yeah, games like that are most better enjoyed when you have a friend to, like, bounce off of. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, uh, we also did some, you know, for, for purveyors of chart shot content, you've probably already seen the, the stream VOD. But um, the quote-unquote four of us, including Thomas, um, played some Dark Alliance. What was that? Last weekend? Uh, no, it was like Tuesday or something. Th- last Tuesday, I think. When's, I don't, last week, whenever the game on, came out. It was on Monday, I think. Or no. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, because we did Space Jam on Monday. Um, yeah, I think it was Tuesday, because that was when the game came out. And that is the new, uh, the new take on Dark Alliance. Like Dark Alliance was a, um, a GameCube, PS2, Xbox, like Diablo clone type thing, like multiplayer Diablo clone. Um, that was kind of just like a top-down dungeon crawler uh, with action RPG elements and a loot system and all that stuff. Like this is basically a new version of that. Um, and I mean, it's it's not like. It's not not that, like, 
it's it's kind of an evolution of the idea of what Dark Alliance was back then, but it's just not a very well made game. <laughs> so we mostly just spent great. like an hour and a half just ripping on it, and then we couldn't do it anymore. Um, and in that whole time, Tyler never got to play. <laughs> yeah, I uh, inadvertently canceled the download uh, while we were planning this, all because I was trying to stop the update for Tekken Seven. So. It was kind of a blessing in disguise because that game looked trashy as shit, and yeah. I pray for your souls. Funny as shit to watch, though. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun. Um, I've had I've had some fun like finding the some highlights and trying to like you know highlight those highlights further. Um, but yeah, like the game has some merit. It's just so poorly made that like the good moments don't get a chance to like shine. I guess. Like, for example, it has a pretty solid loot system um, with, like, some kind of visually pleasing, you know, armor customization variety and stuff. But, when you find treasures in the in the quests um, in these fairly well-designed, like, laid-out dungeons, um, you don't you don't actually, like, get to do anything with them. It just, it pulls the, like, unidentified item idea with everything where you just grab like a rarity of whatever. So like you'll open a chest and it'll say like uncommon cape or something. Um, and you don't know what that is until you complete the quest and go to your like shared chest or whatever and actually like pull the equipment out of that um, to add it to your inventory. So it's a D&D game where you can't customize your character on the fly, which kind of ruins the point. Like, at the very least, you should be able to do it at the campfire, like, when you take a short rest or whatever. Um, so, like, you spend the entire dungeon with the same gear on, not really knowing if it's any good, which is the same problem Anthem had. You'd think they would have learned. Um, and then you do a bunch of repetitive combat. Like, at least if you could switch out your gear and stuff in the middle of a quest, like, it gives you some incentive to keep grinding out the boring combat because you get some loot to, to try on. But it just makes the quests feel that much more boring and repetitive uh, because you don't have that kind of thing to break it up. Um, but, I mean, I, I thought the environments and stuff were solid. There just wasn't anything to do in them. <laughs> um, and a lot of really obtuse mechanics. Like, uh, we kept dying in the ice because you're apparently supposed to touch this, like, hot sword that's stuck in the ground. And it gives you a condition that lets you walk through the ice freely. <laughs> that's not a D&D &D thing. <laughs> like, there's nothing D&D &D about the game, really. Yeah, there's not even a single dice in the game. Worst game ever, 0 out of 10. Right. Like, at least with, like, Baldur's Gate 3 and stuff, which isn't technically based on the D&D &D system. Um, no, that one is. Sorry, I was thinking of uh, Divinity. That's not based on D&D, &D, but Baldur's Gate 3 is. Um, at least with that, like, it actually takes the D&D &D mechanics into account with its, you know, uh, turn-based RPG system, where, like, it shows your percentage to hit, but it's based on, like a d20 roll plus your modifiers and stuff 
and you can actually see that side of it like on the back end or you can just see the base percentage like um and then you have like you know your spell slots and all that kind of stuff at combat like that's all pretty solid but D- dark alliance doesn't even have a magic class the the four characters like you don't even create your own character it's just preset like D characters i guess um there's a fighter a barbarian a ranger and and gimli a dwarf <laughs> i forget i thought no i thought that was the fighter it doesn't matter they're they're nothing um yeah it's really bad is the point um and just to fill the rest of my time um because we're at like 20 minutes right now and ben is timing me so um i (laughs) i've continued my mobile gaming adventures uh with the with the diecast game that i've talked about a few times and i'm only bringing it up because i am ranked in the like top 200 in the country um so far like i i keep playing it so i keep you know i keep going up the ranks and it's gotten to the point where like it's kind of frustrating because it's it's got some pay to win elements um like once you unlock the ability to equip um yeah equip your characters and stuff you basically can get uh like gear slots where like you know when you when you open a treasure chest or whatever you might get like 15 of like a pauldron or whatever that's specifically to upgrade one character's like one stat um so it's all random like whatever you get is random but you know of course you can spend money um to unlock more of these like high-end chests and get more of this stuff or like spend money specifically on a character and you'll get like, you know, multiple hundred uh, of each like equipment piece to just upgrade the crap out of them. So I don't do that. You know, I'm just taking the random grind and slowly upgrading my characters. And I'm going up against these people that have their stats so buffed that like their starting HP and attack is like twice mine. So like I'm starting at a disadvantage. Um, and then you can also, like, you can set your card deck, uh, with various cards that you unlock from, like, achievements and level ups and things like that. And there's, um, your card deck is based on, like, uh, like, each card has a set value or whatever, and you have a max value for your deck. Um, but if you just put in, like, you know die numbers or whatever like you're guaranteed to to get those so like you can put a six in your deck and like you'll always have a six sitting for you when you load up the game or whatever um or there's more complicated ones like the ability to swap locations so like you and the other person like switch you know what what tile you're on um which can be beneficial in various ways to get closer to your um to your goal or whatever or there's also some absurd ones, like just an attack card. So wherever you are, you just do an attack against the enemy just by placing this card. Um, whereas normally that's like, you know, a tile on the board that you have to land on. Um, and there's like a critical that does like 
1.5 times damage with an attack. And that's also a card that you can find. So, like, people can can bring these decks in that are just broken because they've, you know, done pay-to-win mechanics. And they're at the same rank as me, but their characters are so bloated that I don't possibly stand a chance to win. Um, so, it's gotten to the point where, like, because you're, you know, randomly match-made, um, I will win maybe one or two times and then lose, like, four or five and every time you lose, your rank goes down a little bit. But when you win, it goes up a lot. So, like, by losing more often than I'm winning, like, my actual rank is going up so slowly because I basically lose that much over the course of so many losses that my next win just makes up the the difference. It's almost kind of breaking even at that point. Right. And it's really frustrating because it's usually super cheap losses, too. Like, I will be just crushing it and then i get a few bad rolls and they drop like a a ridiculous card that like i can't come back from and like this the tide turns in a in a matter of like one or two turns um so like i still I, i love this game like i can't stop playing it it's it's like an addiction at this point because i have to fill all my treasure slots since i don't you know pay to win like i need those those treasure drops to upgrade my characters and stuff. Um, but it's it's getting toxic where it's like affecting my mood because of how often I lose when I really shouldn't have. <laughs> um, Damn feels. Yeah. I mean, that that's a card slash board game for you. Yep. But I still love it. I, I don't know. Um, I just I need more like actual people to play with that aren't cheap. Uh, because the random max ma- matchmaking is killing me. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's all I got. Um, I'm doing some research into other games that I want to play, um, but I haven't yet. So, oh, also, oh. me and Ben tried to do multiplayer in Legend of Mana, and it didn't work. That game is still like the remaster; still looks great, but the uh, the remote share remote play whatever through steam is ass sorry all right tyler what have you been playing and by the way justin you were overtime as i suspected really yep because we're 27 minutes into the show and i figured like two they're like two minutes was like starting you know like the intro stuff what have you been playing this week okay uh i may as well get started so, I was watching a well-made video last week uh, on the Ratchet and Clank Future Games. I uh-huh. forget who made it, but he was handsome at least. Anyway, I watched the hmm. whole video. No, I don't know who you're inspired. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I watched the whole video, and I was inspired to relive the PS2 era platformers like he did. Yep, that's right. I played through Jack and Daxter. Yeah. Made by Naughty Dog after being done to Crash Bandicoot after four great games on the PS1. Uh, this little gem debuted on the PS2 in 2001. I never really played it as a kid, but I tried it in its sequels back in 2012 when the PS3 Master was a thing. I remember that specifically because my first niece was born around that time, and they hold a special place in my heart. So yeah, uh, last week, uh, while we were doing Space Jam, um, I beat the first Jack and Daxter in the span of two days. 
I got all 101 power cells and unlocked the secret ending, which isn't all that great, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, the plot itself is pretty rudimentary, and the gameplay is simple and fun. The characters are entertaining, and it still holds up graphically for an early PS2 game. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me is the lore laid out and the grand mysteries of the world they live in. It's a realm where ancient deities known as the Precursors are all but gone, but left behind mysterious artifacts used as technology. There's also elemental magic known as Eco that comes in six flavors, and only a select few can harness its power fully. The lore is sporadically sprinkled throughout the entire game and purposefully leaves many questions unanswered since they knew sequels were going to be a thing. Speaking of which, the real big game I've sunk my time into uh, recently is the sequel, Jack 2, which is incredibly different from the first mm -hmm. game, let me tell you. It picks off where the first game left off, where we finally see the thing behind the door opened by collecting every single power cell. It's a giant precursor sleigh that has buttons and a giant portal thingy. The good guys power it on, and a rift opens with monsters flying out of it, led by a bigger monster that seems to know who Jack is. They flee into the rift, but Jack and Daxter are separated from uh, Samus the Green Sage and his oddly hot daughter Kira, and find themselves in a dystopian city. Jack is immediately taken away by guards in red, and Daxter promises to rescue him as soon as possible. Cut to two years later, we find Jack has been experimented on by the city's leader, Baron Praxis, who for that time uh, pumped Jack with Dark Eco, which is pretty much the bad juju juice that turned Daxter into an Otzel in the first game, and also instantly killed you in the first game. Why it doesn't do that in this, I don't understand. Dark Eco is kind of important and also incredibly sporadic on how its rules work. So yeah, uh, Daxter finds him and learns that Jack, the mute from the first game, can actually speak now and more importantly, can transform into a rage monster. They learn from an old man and muted boy that they are in Haven City, a cesspool of scum and villainy where Praxis flexes his authority. The old-timer points at the duo to a band of freedom fighters led by someone named The Shadow, who wishes to see this regime fall. They meet up with a guy named Torn, who gives them several jobs to take Praxis' army down a few pegs, and during a sting operation... Jack learns the Crimson Guard are supplying dark eco-monsters known as the Metalheads with eco. They eventually learn from Crew, who looks like the obese people from Wally crossbred with Jabba the Hutt, that Praxis has been dealing with Metalhead leaders so that he can stay in power. He supplies them with eco, and they attack the city just enough that he looks like a hero. Topical. So yeah, a bunch of spoiler stuff. Uh, I'm not going to go into the plot too much. Uh, they go into a lore a little bit, uh, going in the origins of Haven City and how Jack and Daxter eventually find out that they are actually in the future. Like, that couldn't be any more obvious. So, yeah, Jack 2 is more narratively stable than the first game, but despite the tonal shift, it is still remarkably similar gameplay-wise. You still got the double jump, roll jump, punch, and spin... But you eventually gain the Morph Gun, a real beauty of a weapon. Unlike the first game, there's no eco-globs that give you different powers, like shooting fireballs or gaining magnetic powers or moving faster. Uh, so the gun compensates for, for it by having four modes of each color. So far, I've only unlocked red, blue, and yellow, which are the shotgun, the chain gun, and the long rifle. 
And despite how incredibly out there it seems to have a cute Jack firing a firearm, uh, the gunplay in this game actually isn't that bad. Uh, it's really satisfying to, to shoot things in this game. Uh, the shotgun has a tiny AOE effect. Uh, its blast radius isn't that great, but it's pretty powerful, and you eventually get a mod that uh, makes it so that you can shoot faster, which is neat. The long shot is pro the long rifle is probably the best weapon in the game because you can shoot it really quickly. It does decent damage and uh it has a shit ton of ammo. And uh when you get off a punch and shoot, uh you can shoot like five bullets off at once and yeah, that's pretty godly. Uh you also have a, a minigun which uh shoots things a bunch, which is kind of like the wrong, long rifle except a little bit more uh more limited. But it's really good at dispatching uh, larger dudes. Um, the only eco that you find in the open is dark eco, which fills up a gauge that lets you turn the dark, dark jack when it's full. He automatically homes in on enemies when you punch them, and you get new skills like a shockwave attack as you progress through the story. But it feels like a last resort type of deal. It doesn't last very long and deals as much damage as you would using the morph gun. So honestly, dark jack is kind of useless. Unlike the first game, which is a Banjo-style collective thong, Jack 2 is pretty much Baby's first Grand Theft Auto, trademark <laughs> Super Butter Buns. You travel around the hub area, usually by vehicle, to specific destination markers, do missions requested by secondary characters, accidentally cause a ruckus, and get chased by the authorities until either you die or they stop caring. Vehicles uh, weren't great in the original Jack and Daxter. They felt kind of loose, and the lack of a brake button really screwed me over more times than I'm likely to admit. And they aren't much better here. Uh, you can shuffle between hovering uh, between two different levels. Like, you can drive uh, to ground level and a little higher up. And you'll have to do that a lot if you want to get anywhere quickly without obeying traffic laws. Seriously, the NPCs in this game move slower than the speed limit. And if you crash anything, it damages your ride. Damage it enough, the thing explodes and you lose health. It's even worse when the hover bikes, since they're about as durable as a sheet of paper. Some of the missions you'll be doing are varied from racing the clock, killing enemies, collecting things, or reaching a specific destination. But a lot of these can be pretty obnoxious when they're compounded with the biggest problem I have with Jack 2 as a whole. So you got 8 units of health at max, but most enemies do 2 units worth of damage, meaning you'll be taking at least 4 hits until you die. You also don't have invincibility frames, and in a game that throws a shit ton of crimson guards or metalheads at you at once, you'll die a lot. As an extra kick in the ass, checkpoints are incredibly stingy on most missions, so you might have one in the middle, and others not at all, meaning that if you screw up once, it's back to the beginning of the mission. There's one mission that actively angered me, and it's probably the best example of this. You'll find a thing at the docks, uh, an important MacGuffin, I honestly forgot what it was, and you have to take it to a specific route without falling in the water, or a drone instantly kills you. What stands between you and the goal is a bunch of Crimson Guards out for blood by constantly dropping from uh, dropships on Moss. No matter how many I take out, a million more keep coming from every conceivable angle. I had to retry this mission at least 30 times. Blech. So That's actually when I stopped playing I... the game. I, I, 
I hated that mission. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad, but I eventually got through it. Uh, so yeah, aside from the nitpicks I have so far, I am enjoying this game. Uh, Daxter is way less annoying than he was in the first game. He was pretty much Jack's mouthpiece in the first game. Although the quips that he had there weren't exactly quips. They were more like, Eh, look at me, I'm, I'm funny, <laughs> But in this one, they gave him uh, more witty dialogue, and there are actually some instances where his one-liners actually made me laugh. Like, there was one where uh, Crew, the big fat guy, is all like, I need to take my beauty sleep, and Daxter is immediately like, Trust me, there's not enough time in the world. <laughs> so yeah, I got a kick out of that. Uh... Events progress at a decent pace. Uh, the dystopian world is a stark contrast to the bright, colorful world of the first game. The lore introduced is fleshed out and explored in interesting ways. And I enjoy most of the new characters, which includes Jack, since he never spoke in the first game at all. He's an edgy, angry boy who wants to get revenge on Praxis for torturing him for two years, and make sure he's the one doing it. Torn's pretty cool, too. He's the leader of the Resistance while the actual leader is out, so, he's pretty pissed about everything, and is especially antagonistic when Daxter speaks, which is understandable. I also kind of enjoy Sig, a wastelander who works under crew that really loves hunting metalheads like a kid in a candy store. It also helps that he has the voice of Phil Lamar, hmm. one of the all-time goats of voice acting. So yeah, I'll probably be finished by next week, and let you know uh, about the ending if you don't care for spoilers. But yeah, aside from that, uh, I've just been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! I've recently uh, been dabbling in a new uh, archetype. Like, I built a Utopia-themed deck, which is basically a whole bunch of XCs monsters that go into each other. And um, it's pretty busted. Like, I've had monsters uh, break the 10,000 attack threshold <laughs> consistently in every single duel. Like, it's nuts. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Um, so for me, uh, the, I beat Invisible, Indivisible off stream. Uh, I'm sorry for anybody who liked me playing that game. Um, I just needed something to play, and unfortunately a lot of what I had to play was RPGs, and I wasn't really in the mood to play another, start another one, at least right now. So I was like, let me just play Indivisible. It'll just be my own personal thing, and I'm kind of glad I did because I don't know if I could have handled it on stream. Based on what happens, um, I won't get into spoiler territory, but I do feel like the the lead up to the final confrontation with Kala, the ultimate goddess that you have to destroy, uh, is the weakest part of the game, um, and only because the game doesn't really have. It tries to be an RPG with it's making you do like side quests for all your characters, which is cool at the end, but it's kind of hard to keep track on where to go where. Um, and sometimes the game will tell you, okay, go to this specific spot, but then sometimes it won't because it wants to be cryptic, which I never, I don't understand if you're going to tell me for one thing, you're going to tell me for the other. And for the most part, you don't really get anything uh, for uh, do, uh, doing the characters. You get maybe a little bit of experience and, you know, um, sometimes you'll get like an, an, like a, an item, but that's only like from a handful of them. Uh, and um, most of the time it's just story stuff so I only did it because like, well I like all these characters I think these characters are cool and uh, like you'll hear throughout the game you, you'll have heard about all their narratives like Kadira she's one of my favorite characters 
and she talks about trying to find her brother who is lost, thought to be dead in the war, but she doesn't believe it. You find her brother, uh, and it turns out her brother is alive in the Iron Kingdom and has a family, and they thought he thought she was dead, and so when he started, he had a little girl, he named the little girl after his sister Kadira. Uh, so that's a sweet moment. Um, but there's some really good moments, uh, but I think that's, I think if you're going to do the side quest, it's going to be dependent on if you like the characters or not, if you like their interactions or not, and stuff like that. Otherwise, I didn't really feel like it was worth it or intuitive enough to to do it. Um, uh, I will say, I think to get the most emotional impact out of it, do all the side quests because basically you're like, what I did like about it is wh- when I stopped the game, um, Ajna was at a point where she was getting super arrogant and angry of like, she was getting real frustrated with like, we're wasting time. We have to go defeat Kala. All this other stuff is bullshit. Why are we doing this? And she, you fight Kala and you think this is where the, the end of the game is at. You fight Kala and it's just, it's, it's a, uh, uh, Kala ends up, Ajna ends up losing complete control and she basically turns into like a giant, uh, uh, monster, a giant, uh, monster. Um, she even destroys a town, a city, uh, in her, in her rage, mon- in her monster form. Um, and it's actually really unique, a boss fight that you have to, you have to, tech, like, you have to, it's like the only time Ajna's not in the, is not in the party, but like, you have to take down, um, Kala so she can basically retaliate against Ajna. Uh, otherwise you're going to take a lot of da- massive damage, uh, from Ajna, funny enough. Um, but it's basically, it's a good humbling moment for her because she like, has some, like, moments where like she has to look think introspectively of like i'm being selfish i this is not the person my father raised me to be and it's a learning experience for her and and it's great so i think and in doing so helping other characters goes with that narrative i just wish it was better intertwined with the narrative overall but um as you right before you go to caught like so just to get to it you, you do this awesome platforming section of getting up to her like it's it's a true test of your platforming of using all your skills that you've accumulated uh throughout the game whether that's uh, dash jumping um you know using the the spear to hook to walls and stuff like that it's it's really fun and it can be challenging at points but it's i thought it was really, really fun and um until finally you fight kala and it's like you fight her once, and it's like, okay, this is kind of easy, and she basically resets the fight, and you're like, you're like, wait a minute, hold on, like, uh, Ajna kind of realizes that, like, she's just basically, because she's a goddess, and they, they talk about it this entire time, like, she could reset the universe at any point in time she wants, and she pretty much resets the fight, so pretty much, after the second time, Ajna makes the comment that, like, okay, right when she, before she snaps reality, she goes into her um, her inner mind, which is sort of like a mechanic in the game, which I think I've talked about it before, where like all her all their party members hang out, and like you can change, you can there's a training mode in there and stuff like that. And basically, she realizes that Kala can't touch anything in there because it's not part of her dimension; it's it's another whole dimension altogether. So, but Ajna basically comes to the 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 I, the summation that she can't beat her, she can't she can't win against Kala. There's no winning against this goddess, and and it's a real sad moment when, like, all her close inner teammates basically realize that this is it. Ajna's gonna go away. She's she's not coming back. 
But like Ajna isn't sad or anything. Like she's kind of has like a a good um uh complacency, not complacency, um peaceful resolution about it. Like she feels like this is what we have to do. If it means saving the world, I'll gladly do this. Like and it's a real nice considering what she was and one of my favorite moments with this is a character with the character she has uh relationship she has with Razmi. Raz- she's the first character you meet besides Dar. Um at least likable character. And so Razmi's pretty much like the like the Sundari character where she's like, eh, I don't like I don't really like people, but I like you, but I'm not really gonna say it because like it's uh, it's icky and I don't trust people. Baka. Uh kinda like that, like yeah, and teasing people. That's pretty much what she is. And so like you get and that happens throughout the game, she, and she has a really good pairedness with Ashna. And so finally, like it Razmi pretty much like opens up a lot and basically says like I like you but I don't know how to say that but I don't want you to go away but I know you're gonna go away and I don't want to say goodbye like it's it's like real heartwarming to see her um basically open up this way as knowing Ajna's gonna basically merge into Kala uh and like even um Dharani who's like basically treats Ajna like it like like uh, like that's her daughter, her little baby, calls her her little baby girl, and stuff like that. It's it's really good stuff. And if you completed the side quest, they ref- they reference that and like basically a compliment Ajna like you helped me, you know you were you were a good soul, you know it's this isn't fair, um, you know stuff like that. How like like a lot of them, some of them burst down into tears because of it. And considering what's been going on with me recently, it it, it like I'm I think I would have just probably stopped the stream right there because. I, I had to pause the game for a bit because I just couldn't handle it. Um, but I ultimately put went back up. Uh, the cool thing about the Kala boss fight is that um, you get a visit from Ajna's father who, who who was killed at the very beginning of the game and pretty much tells you the, the you have to have a solid defense if you're going to win anything. And pretty much in order to beat Kala, you have to pretty much parry almost all of her attacks. Uh, cause like that's a way of blocking it, but also, uh, it's a, it's a way of healing yourself because if you don't like, you can get away with getting hit by some things. It's not like every, like at least on this version, at least on the first playthrough, you don't have to block every, you don't have to parry everything. But if you get hit by certain things enough, you do have to start the whole thing over and there's two sections of it and it's, it's pretty demanding. Um, you know, so, but overall really cool boss fight and, even though this game definitely has problems and like it's not perfect, I still call it a ten out of ten because the combat system is so fun. The characters are really well written. Uh, I just wish the side quest stuff was more fun to do. Um, I think there's a lot, like especially if you don't, uh, especially if you don't understand, like a lot of characters will tell you, oh, like I this is the Iron Kingdom. This is here in this and this and this and sometimes you'll because if you don't have a set path because it's your first playthrough, you're gonna end up going back and forth multiple times. So my best advice is if you're gonna play this game, uh, like talk to everybody and then see who has their like do everything you possibly can before leaving that area and continuing on and then go from there. Otherwise, it became kind of a slog uh, a bit. But I pushed through. A uh, very very good game. Uh, it sucks that we won't be getting anything else from this game because of the develop what happened with Lab Zero and you know and and all that which we've talked about it before. But fuck Mike Z as usual, um, not just for the, this game but for the people he's hurt and everything like that. Um, yeah, the livelihood the livelihoods he's destroyed. But uh, besides that, 
The Sonic Symphony was last Wednesday. Um, if you haven't watched it, please do so. It's such a beautiful love letter to Sonic the Hedgehog, and I've said this multiple times, and I'll continue to say it again. Even if you don't like Sonic games, if there's one thing everybody can agree on is that the music in Sonic the Hedgehog is amazing. Uh, so the, Yeah, right? The symphony is, is really beautiful. Um, I cried uh, several times, especially the second half when they brought in Crush 40 and stuff like that, because that was sort of like my era of Sonic, because I love the original Genesis trilogy, but like I was, I was a baby when those came out, basically. So I have more fond memories of Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 and stuff like that. Even though I didn't really play anything past that, those two games still resonate with me. So why am I talking about that? Well, that pretty much led me to download Sonic Adventure uh, on my new PC. Hey, Ben has a new, yes. you know, nice, powerful PC. What are you <laughs> going to play, Ben? You're, you're going to play Cyberpunk? Or are you going to play Resident Evil 8? No, I'm going to play I'm gonna play Sonic Adventure. Um, Good man. Uh, and... I don't care what anybody says. I fucking love this game, at least the Sonic stuff. Like, obviously they got better. Yeah. Obviously yeah, they got better. Yeah, with Sonic Tails and Knuckles at the very least, uh, Sonic Adventure 1 still holds up. You can say whatever you want about any big and gamma, but those three segments always hold up, and I always have a blast playing through them. Like the, I, I don't really care I for the Knuckles sections. One, like, you could do with or without him. I still think that uh, he controls pretty fine, and... The treasure hunting in this game is a lot better than it is in Sonic Adventure 2, that's for sure. Yeah, um, anyways, so, like, yeah, it's, I've only done the Sonic stages, I just got up to the second egg, like, you have to chase Eggman down in Tails' tornado ship for the second time, so I just got up to there. It's just, it just felt good, like, doing Emerald Coast again was really fucking sick. I, you know, the casino level, was, it was a really nice play in the casino level. I managed to get the Emerald by just playing the Casino Knights or the uh, Nights in the Dreams pinball machine. So yeah. I just did that and pretty much just beat the level. I, I love that. I love the goofy side quest. Like that that second level where uh, Windy Valley, I think it's called, um, where yeah. you go off the tornado. Like that was like... <sighs> I know it's like nostalgia. It's a lot of it's nostalgia, but like that was the cool... Like Mario 64 is one thing, right? That's the, like in terms of like what broke the like, beggar ground. You're that, that game, obviously... But if you're going to talk about what game impacted my memory more and what I have more fonder memories of more of, it's this game. Um, you know, I just did the city city yeah. highway level. Like that, that back then, that was that was the sickest shit ever. Like, oh my god, you're running yeah, down so this cool. building and breaking through glass and ah, oh, like like that's the one thing Sonic's been known for. It's cool, and you know, uh, like you could bemoan about a lot of the directions he made after uh, Heroes, but. And, and, yeah, you're, they're going to be YouTubers who, like, you know, they, they clickbait off that shit saying Sonic Adventures. Sonic was never good. Yeah, Sonic was never good or 3D, the, the 3D transition was rough for Sonic. 3D transition was rough for everybody. Shut the fuck up. Just shut the everlasting fuck up. Um, like, please. Like, tired of hearing it. Um, but, so, yeah, like, I, I just eat an to... everlasting fuck stopper. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get it. Sonic's had Sonic's had it bad, and it's not like Mario's never had a bad game. Fucking Mario Sunshine, you piece of fucking shit. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Take that, apologists. Uh, so, like, yeah, I, I don't Mario know. Mario 64 is not that great either. It's still, I mean, it's still fine, but, like, <laughs> like I'd still play it. Was, it was good at the time. It's hard to go back to. Just... Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 they made it better. Like, they, they made it better. They made better versions of it, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, besides that, I did, but I, uh, I did decide to play something somewhat powerful on my PC, 
uh, I was gifted a copy of the Outer Worlds and its DLC through a friend of ours who I won't name because I don't want to get him in trouble, but you all know who it is. Um, and I, God, like, number one, it really makes me appreciate the Switch version uh, a lot because of, like, how much is there and how much I still recognize in the Switch version. I'm like, wow, they managed to get most of this, like, playable. Like, that's wild. So, like... Uh, also, maybe my eyes are just there. Maybe my monitor is not that great. But like, I put it on ultra because I'm like, I can do that now. But I didn't really see that much of a difference, honestly. So I just put it at high, and it's, it's fine. Um, it's quite a bit different, is it? I didn't, I didn't notice yeah. it. Maybe I was just like, yeah, whatever. Just put it at high. I mean, I've only seen like trailers of the Switch version and like your video on it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, t- I'm talking. You know, about... I've only played the PC version. Yeah. So. I have more experience with the PC version than the Switch version. I'm sure you got used to it and you don't notice it. Yeah, I mean, well, like, I'm talking about in the comparison from the high, like, high settings on PC to Ultra. I just, I, oh. I didn't see, like, that much where I'm like, well, this is, am-. like, oh my god, I could, like, I did, no, it didn't, probably not. it didn't really seem that, that crazy, now from Switch to my PC, yes, some of the frame yeah, okay. rate. That's 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 the thing. So that's what I'm just saying it made me appreciate that the gotcha. port that they made work, which is that's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, I'll, I'm, I I kind of want to try to boot up my Switch version to see if I can tolerate it still. But <laughs> it's still a, it's still a great game. Uh, I just did the first world to finish it t- earlier today. So, but uh, the first time I played it, uh, I diverted the power away from Edgewater, which is the first time you meet because mm. fuck those capitalist pigs. Seriously, fuck capitalism in this game. They, it's really the whole point of the game. And, um, but this time I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to divert, uh, power away from, uh, from the, from the grave robbers, uh, Adelaide's camp. But in, in the way that I'm Superman, I managed to not only, I diverted power away from them to get them to move back to Edgewater, but I managed to kick Reed Thompson out because basically tell him, dude, you failed. Like you're, you, this is all your fault. You did not do enough for your people. She would, like, Adelaide would be better in charge. I basically got him to leave and got the deserters to come back into Edgewater and basically have Adelaide take over. And still have the board be pissed at me. I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck fuck the board. So I managed to bring people together while initially seemingly destroying one property. So I, I like that the game gives you that. and that is That is the best option. I think we talked about that the first time you did it, and I didn't want to spoil what the other options were. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I did too, and it's the best option. Yeah, and I figured that when I first played uh, on the Switch, because I, when I got to Monarch, uh, there's two warring factions on there, and I was able to bring them together. When I know you could probably side one or the other, so part of me knew that okay, there ha- and even our friend told us that like there's a way you can solve that differently besides picking one or the other. I'm like okay, yeah. So I didn't know what I was doing, but I figured. I think, and I, I love that the op, they gave you the option to kill Reed. I'm like, I thought about it. I thought about just blasting him in the head, but mm-hmm. no, maybe maybe if I shoot. And then I think you have to fight your way out. That's fine. I was I was packing. I was ready because I I tried to uh, to remove him from power, and it didn't work. Um, like I I selected something wrong, and he was like, "No, I'm staying." So I killed him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love that. The, yeah, I love how the game is. F- Again, I said this before last time, but I love how free. The game is and how you want to play. It's a true role playing game, and of course, yep. uh, Par- Parvati is such a adorable little sweetheart. Um, yes. See, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I just got the Groundbreaker. I'll probably be playing it slowly um, now since I obviously beat it before. But it's such a well made game. Uh, 
Also, the only other thing I've been playing is the Takeover, which if you have heard about it, it's probably from Matt McMuscles. I think he was like an executive producer on the game. It's a side-scrolling beat 'em up in the vein of like or er, like early '90s uh, beat 'em up <laughs> games, and like it's it's fine. Like I'm sorry. Like maybe it's because I was just playing Streets of Rage Four, and the con- I feel like the combat system is just much better in that game. Like it looks cool. Like it's trying to emulate like Killer Instinct looking visuals, and the music is really kick ass. Funny enough, the music there's a bit of music in there that I that I guess Matt uses for his What Happened series that I recognize. Like ah, so this is I guess this is where <laughs> that comes from. So that's that's cool. Like it's a solid game. Voice acting is is neat. There's actually some cool like chase sequences you can do. So it does need to change it up a bit. But I just found it just. Like, some of the levels were a little too long, and sometimes I felt like the bosses had a little bit too much invulnerability, and they would do, like, the, the Zangief, you know, spinning wheel hands a little bit too much, and, like, I don't know, it, it's a it's a fine beat-em-up. It's perfectly fine. It's not the worst, it's not, like, bad or anything, but, like, ah, I feel like I, I, I kind of stopped playing it today, because I'm like, I could be... I can be playing other things, and but I'm almost done with it, so I'll be playing this. So not a winning endorsement, but you know it's probably on sale for Steam for super cheap. And it's probably really fun with a lot of people, and maybe it's because I'm playing by myself. It's not not as fun, but then again, I can play Street Fighter Four by myself and still feel ultra cool. And again, I'm not comparing visual styles because, like I said, the game is fantastic visually. But um, yeah, that, that's all. That's all I've been playing for uh, this week. Um, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back. We are going to talk about our brief news bits today. Talk about our bits. I was just going to make that joke. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the news part of Charge Shot, of the Charge Shot Games cast. Uh, not a lot of news this week, uh, but that is expected as of, you know, a post-E3 kind of thing. That's kind of why we took last week off, because when we retired, two, me, and three, a lot, a lot of news, so... Still not a lot of news, but, you know, whatever. Uh, it is what it is. So, uh, let's go ahead and kick right into it with some Mortal Kombat animated movie news. Um, Combat time! Yes. Uh, now, uh, uh, last year, um, Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge was released uh, right around when, like the early start of the pandemic. as basically Mortal Kombat 1, but scorpions but like most not from scorpion's perspective but he was like a key protagonist in the along with Liu kang johnny cage and sonya blade and it's basically retelling the story of mk1 but slightly different so now that same movie is gonna has been greenlit a sequel hot off new lines latest uh film reboot of mortal kombat which we talked about uh, a couple, uh several months ago it seems that the fans of another realms fighting in franchise will have another adaptation to look forward to this year mortal kombat legends Battle of the Realms, a follow-up last year's R-rated animated Mortal Kombat Legend Scorpion's Revenge is on the way, per The Hollywood Reporter. Although no exact release date has been set, the film is expected to be available later this summer. This new film will feature returnable Joel McHale and Jennifer Carpenter, the roles of Johnny Cage and Sonny Blade, respectively. But many cast members from Scorpion's Revenge will reply to their voice roles for the sequel. Battle of the Realms will also feature new voice actors, including Matt Mercer as Stryker and Smoke. Ah. By our, uh... I apologize if I'm for butchering. <laughs> Bayardo de Mugia as Sub Zero says Kwai, Kwai Lang, Matt Lang King as Kung Lao, Paul Nakachu as Lin Kuei Grandmaster, Emily O'Brien as Jade, and Deborah Wilson as Devora. Um, Devora. Yeah. 
So, core crew members from Scorpion's Vengeance are returning for the sequel, including director Ethan Spaulding, screenwriter Jeremy Adams, producers Rick Morales and Jim Craig, and executive producers Sam Register. And so, yeah, pretty much that. So, yeah, that's that's a much surprise to me because I, I liked uh, Scorpion's Revenge when it came out. It's mm-hmm. definitely violent. If you if you like, you know, if you yeah, it is. if you didn't like the reboot movie. Because it didn't, it, it lacked certain things and certain aspects. This is this is the movie you wanted to see, just an animated form. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, great it's fights. A lot more fantastical. Yes, a lot more fantastical. Uh, Johnny Cage, Joe McHale's Johnny Cage is like perfect casting. Like yeah. it's it's that scary dumb. Uh, and there's some really cool, and it's a true to Mortal Kombat. So um, and God, yeah, and his poor Jacks. Jacks never catches a break in these fucking movies. Um, yeah, right. so yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, I think Quan Chi... Well, Jax was in the last one, wasn't he? Yeah, so I'm saying poor Jax, because he gets fucked up by Goro. Oh, right, um, yeah, yeah, And yeah, he gets sure. his arm broken by Sub-Zero, and Ermac broke his arms in the game, so, like, yeah, poor yeah. Jax. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's really cool. I, I'm... Is this a trailer for it, uh, I'm guessing? No, um, that's a clip from the last movie. The, okay, yeah, I, f- I figured if it was released, there's this no summer, trailer or anything. Like it's it's weird. They're saying it's going to be available later this summer, but like there's no yeah, there's no trailer. Or yeah, release that's, date or that's weird. Uh, if, I don't yeah. care if it gets pushed back, but I'm just surprised. So hopefully mm-hmm. we'll uh, get to see Shao Kahn. Obviously, they're not going to say he's in the movie, but it's, it's obviously it's going to follow the sort of timeline. They obviously hinted that Sub Zero's brother Kwai Lang and uh, Smoke's going to be in. So hopefully we'll see Noob Saibot. Hopefully we'll see some other characters that they they're not mentioning. They mentioned Striker, who doesn't show up technically until MK three. Um, yeah. So, but um, you but never there's know. There's also Devora, who is you know new. Yeah. They reread the timeline that like they were all part of like Shao Kahn's court and like MK. Yeah, true. So like, we just never saw them because like reasons. So um, right. that like that's cool. So who knows? Who I love Devora though, so that makes me happy. And I love Deborah Wilson. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows what we'll we'll see. Uh, I hope we get into like I, I honestly hope it's like a replication of the Outworld tournament in MK MK two or if not this is straight up invasion from Shao Kahn uh, in MK three. Uh, so It'll probably be a bit of both. Yeah, I mean it's Battle of the Realms, so yeah. it's probably going to be some cross uh, cross realm action. Yeah. So speaking yeah, of cross of, of cross realm action, um, we have a uh, Rockman game coming from China, it seems. Um, so yeah, Rockman XZ Time Rift is a 2D action RPG coming in 2022-2023 on mobile from China. On the heels of the, of the weekend, surprise be the news, a representative of the developer Nubula Joy has provided Rockman Corner with a few minor details on Rockman XZ Time Rift. Uh, of course, this is all off the heels of many people disappointed that not even a hint of a new Mega Man X game or even a Mega Man game at all out of E3 this year. Uh, on the heels of this week, uh, reportedly this game is a 2D action RPG with a predominant focus on single-player console-like experience. Much like Nebula Joy's recent release Capcom license title Devil May Cry Pillar of Combat, Rockman XZ Time Rift will incorporate optional online PvP game modes, a smaller select, a small selection of playable characters will be available at the player's disposal. The company would not, however, comment on whether or not those characters would be both from Rockman X and Rockman Zero series will appear. While that's largely soon to be the case, specifics are under lock and key for now. That said, Rockman Z, uh, XZ Time Rift will be formally unveiled later this year. A closed beta will be available in China soon after. The game itself isn't expected to be anytime soon. Though, Nebula Joy has side sets for 22-23 uh, window, targeting next-generation mobile hardware. 
there are no plans for a console PC version, let alone availability outside of China initially. Why did you put this in there just to tease me? Like, why? I mean, we gotta take what we can get, man. No. Yeah. No, because, like, I can't... I, you can't even get it. It's I know. In, like, you can't but, even get it. Well, it's not out yet, for one. Like, this is the announcement of the game existing. But, like, it seems kind of neat with, like, the combination of the X and Zero series. Because, like, the X and the Z are clearly those two. Like, the, the logos for those two series. Right. Um, I don't want to say ZX, though, because we already have Mega Man ZX. Yeah. But ZX is its own thing. This is like a mashup of the X and Z series, which take place 100 years apart from each other. So Time Rift, it's going to smush those universes together. That's going to be awkward. And that sounds awesome. Um, like I don't hate mobile games anymore, so this is fine if it comes here. Uh, well, the other one, other Rockman mobile games never came here officially. I know, we did... never got Rockman Dive, but that yeah. one's just okay. I mean, it's still a game that we never got. So it's like I don't. If that's not coming over here, and that's you can get that in Japan, you're not getting. You're not getting this game. True. Although, I mean, you can, you can like download it. You know, not translated and play it. Like, yeah, sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, tr- I'm gonna try to read Mandarin, or I apologize. I don't know what the other form of Chinese language are. I know those are these two. Uh, written forms of uh, Chinese, but like I, I, I'm just not gonna do that for a fucking video game. Um, especially when the lore itself is broken because of, uh, because of Capcom's own doings. So, I mean, sure, I'll, I'll look at screenshots, but I feel like this is just, like, sticking in the knife when the wound is, uh, still fresh after E3. We can hope just it'll come here. You never know. I'm gonna put it at 1,014,000 of a chance of it coming here. Out of one. I mean, it worked for Avengers. All you need is that one. Yeah, we're not going to be that one. one timeline where it happens. We're not going to be that one. Uh, play the, continue to play the, the Legacy X Collection, people. That's all you're going to get. Yep. Skip X6, though. Not play X6 if you're a masochist. All right. No, so skip for, X7. Um, yeah. Going from... I'll agree with you on there. One, uh, from a blue disappointment to a blue excitement, Sonic the Hedgehog is mm. making a crossover in Minecraft. Um, so this is actually Ooh. really, really cool. Um, obviously, Minecraft is the uh, one, of, still one of the biggest games ever, much to what Notch wants to not make you believe. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog will be officially uh, having its own official things inside of Minecraft, um, and this is not. This is just on the website, so this is really not good. Um, no, for the screenshots. Basic you're basically going to get like uh, official avatars of Sonic Tails. Amy, Knuckles, Shadow, I think that's E102 Gamma. I can't really tell. Either that's a pile of, of scrap. Uh, it looks like you're going to get I a... Think it's, I think it's like a little toy or something. I don't think it's supposed to be Gamma at all. You're going to get an official like Green Hill Zone area, it looks like, and basically make Sonic official levels. So that's that's really cool. Uh, and you can act, On the website, you can like kind of drag and see a, like a recreation of Green Hill Zone. Uh, There's also so a trailer. That's that's really cool. Um, um, you know, obviously, celebration of Sonic's 30th anniversary. You know, he's going to be in that Two Point Hospital game, and who knows what else. But I think that's really cool. Uh, he was already in Legos yeah. at one point. Why not put him in Minecraft? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can already mod in right. his costume at this point. Although, what I think is funny like, is like, you know, 
Sonic is so, like, ramp and circle-focused. Minecraft doesn't do that. Like, it's all, you know, blocky steps and stuff. So they have to basically, like, recreate what landscapes look like. Or at least how Sonic interacts with them to make it, like, compatible with Minecraft. Because if you look at the loop-de-loop, it's, like, a bunch of, like, tiny squares all, like, put into a circle. Which is kind of goofy. I don't know. I mean, you work. It's with like the least logical thing to put Sonic in. Yeah, I mean, kids are gonna kids are gonna love it though. Kids love Sonic. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like, there's Although even these characters um, are ugly. Yeah, I'm looking at the trailer. Like, yeah, there's there's uh, what what's the final level in in Sonic Adventure Two where he races Shadow? Um, um, I think it's called oh, shit. I can't remember. Uh, I think it's called Final Chase. Yeah, Final Chase is Final Chase. Um, there's, um, Knuckles' stage in, in Knuckles, uh, in, in Sonic 3, uh, so that's really cool. Um. There's Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic 2. Yeah. There's all sorts of vehicles. Eggman's in it. Um, so that's, I think it's, it's neat. Um. Yeah, that's neat. That's really neat. I've read it's vaguely broken. Like, it doesn't work super well yet. Um, but that was when it came out. It's been a week or so now. Might have to check it out. Yeah, no Minecraft for me though. Um, but yeah, th- this same guy, like, it's a community pack technically. It's a, it's officially licensed, but it's a community pack. But this same guy has done a lot of incredible uh, crossover things, like How to Train Your Dragon, Pac Man. Um, there's others I can't remember though. These are just listed here. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, and uh, even though Justin and I tried to play Legend of Mana, it seems like Square Enix is live... Uh, it seems like the remakes, at least Trials and this one, and maybe even Secret, have done well enough that the next console entry in the Mana series has officially started development. Uh, closing out the, Ma- the Mana series 30th anniversary livestream producer Masaru Oya- Oyamada revealed that a new entry in the Mana series has begun development for consoles. This followed uh, reels in the stream for a mobile port of for Trials of Mana remake. Well, that's cool. It's coming to mobile devices. As well as a new mobile game in Echoes of Mana, at around the two eight mark. Uh, okay, here's here's the quote. It would have been good if we. There was make a trailer it- for Echoes of Mana, but it didn't have any gameplay or anything. It was just kind of a like a flavor trailer, you know. Okay, so that's that's cool. When was the last time we got like a mainline? Trials seven, technically. Has it been that long? Uh, well, like a new entry. Here's the thing. Heroes of Mana for the DS was the last, like, mainline lore title. Um, it was not, like, an official mana game, though, because it was, a, like, a strategy RPG type thing. Um, the last one that played, like, a mana game was Dawn of Mana in 2006 for, like, PS2 or something. And it wasn't good. <clears throat> The last good one, I'd argue, was uh, Sword of Mana on Game Boy Advance, but that was actually a remake of um, Final Fantasy Adventure. So yeah, sorted history for the Mana series. I'm, I really hope it can like reinvent itself here and you know come back, uh, come back strong. We'll see. Um, Square Enix is definitely. Uh, they're definitely putting their eggs in their basket in like have releasing a lot of JRPGs, whether they be remakes or new games. 
stuff like that. It's just that for some reason people don't talk about them. Um, even though I don't like Reaver Default, a lot of people do. Uh, of course, uh, Saga Frontier had the remaster come out earlier this year that uh, seemed to do pretty well. Uh, and hopefully, even though we didn't have a good experience with it doing it online-wise, that people have a good time with the remake of... Uh, uh, what is this one called? Legend of Mana? Legend of Mana. Legend of yeah. Mana. So, I mean, it's uh, a great game. And obviously, Trials of Mana Remake did really, really well. And I think the collection mm-hmm. of Mana... Uh, 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 did really really well considering it was like a lot of people bought it just to have a uh, officially licensed translated English version of the third game. Yeah, I'm wondering if Grezzo is making this new mana game though, because uh, Ishi, who's like the creator of the mana series, is apparently the current CEO of Grezzo. I didn't know that. I knew he made the mana series, but I didn't know he was uh, he was in charge of Grezzo the. Um, which is a game development studio that um, has mostly done like remaster types for uh, Nintendo. Like they did um, the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask 3D versions on the 3DS. And I think they worked on Triforce Heroes, but I might be wrong. Um, And then they've done a few others since uh, I can't remember which ones but and they've had a few original titles too like um ever oasis is that what it's called it was a 3ds game they didn't do super well but it was original ip that they made um and they haven't announced anything in a while so it's possible they're working on the next mana game that'd be neat they're a good studio we'll see Probably. all right uh let's go into this Last couple of two topics before we get into our own topic, uh, starting with some controversy. Um, this is coming from the eSports Observer. Um, this is kind of an opinion piece. So basically, I'm going to give the some the some bits of it. Basically, what happened is uh, uh, the FGC is supposed to, is supposed to who knows if it's actually going to happen just because of what's going on in the world. If you're not aware, you should be fucking aware. Um, CEO is supposed to be the first big uh, re- like uh, event for fighting games. Uh, it's going to be in December, so, and they uh, they put a cap on how many players can be at like per per game. Um, and so recently, um, and so that cap was uh, it sold out in record time, and the cap was put out pretty pretty quickly. And then a Smash player, who I won't say his name, I think his, actually, I think his name is Mars, M-A-R-R-S or whatever, on Twitter, basically said that, like, top players should have the privilege of registering early and not have, and, and, it, and it shouldn't go to people who are just going to go there just to go 0-2. I would rather see players like MK Leo and Light, who's also Smash players, uh, go instead of some guys who are just going to go oh and two, basically saying fuck the people who actually got up on time and registered for the event, and not two players who couldn't set an alarm to register, knowing full well when and what time registration would go live. So like, and basically calling and it like it's an it, like I understand it's capped. Right, and that's not, and that's it's definitely not normal. But considering it's not a normal time we live in, um, this is like the like I find it funny that certain I'm not gonna say all because it's not all of them. Certain Smash players they want to be included in the FGC, they want to be considered a fighting game, but 
the very essence of open brackets, which is part of the FGC, a lot of those motherfuckers want to do away with that and because they want to have top five privilege. Never forget that Smash players, some Smash players were also wanting to have VIP rooms for them at tournaments so they can go rest instead of just going to their hotel room. So, um, and this brings us to this headline, uh, which basically is garbage. I'm going to say it right now. Is it time for fighting in tournaments to get rid of open brackets? And I'm not going to read the article. I don't care. Because the answer is no. The answer is fuck no. Unlike other esports games where like a lot of it is very structural and how it does, like League of Legends, Dota, stuff like that. GF- the FGC is built on grassroots. It's built on a community, local, your locals, if anything like that. Everyday people. Yeah. Me! <clears throat> a nobody entering Combo Breaker 2018 and going 2 and 2. Okay? It's like, I understand that like top players... There's a certain privilege that comes with that, and that will always happen in terms of sponsorship like that. But the idea... But that's why you have invitationals. Like, I feel like... It feels like they just want to get... Like, some of these people... And most of them are not FGC heads. Most of them are, like, other esports heads or Smash players who want to get rid of invitationals and just get rid of, like, the people who basically, like, pay good money to go to the event. Yeah, we're going to go 0-2, but... We're there to we're there to play games. Like there's stuff to do outside the tournament. I feel like you're basically just saying fuck you to all those players who, you know, unlike certain people who will not who will ever show up to a tournament and actually you know press buttons and try to and try to compete with with everybody. Um, like yeah. this is this is absolute garbage. Yeah, like this this seems like uh, very counterintuitive to uh, what the fighting game community uh, was founded on. I think like. To me, uh, fighting games are a way to connect with people, right? And uh, I feel like this is the best way to express myself and uh, to connect with other people, you know? So having these top players alienate all these folks that, like, register on time or whatever, it just seems really shitty to me. And I don't know. Yeah, it's just, just like... Like, like I don't understand. Like, there's invitationals. Like, nobody, like, ca- like people who go into are not complaining that there's invitationals. Like, those are cool. Like, I look forward to invitationals. Like earlier today, um, Twitch Rivals just did a conclusion to the Mortal Kombat X tournament that Max is running. Like, that's an invitational. But I feel like to say, should they stop doing open brackets? I'm like, then you're just gonna take away what what makes fighting game tournaments fun. The 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 fun, like to me, I always see it like March Madness. Every, like when when tournaments were live, it's like for those of you who don't know, March Madness is the bas- big basketball tournament for college basketball every March, uh, and the big fun of that is seeing upsets, and it, a lot of it is what makes Evo like a tournament like say Evo fun because of how big it is, and a top player like Tokido or Daigo or any of the U.S. players like Punk, they could go out before even playing on stream, like that's that's the cool part like. Like it's it, it becomes like a fight for survival because you could it could be somebody from from nowhere, uh, Ohio who's been just practicing laughing but they don't stream so you don't know about them and they come in and they just body everybody, uh, you know like it's it's stuff like that, you know that's fun. Does yeah, it that's cool. does it always happen? No, but it creates interesting stuff and and to get rid of open brackets would just destroy that and it would just it would just make it stagnant because then you're like. Like I mean, sure, you could argue, you could argue that you're just seeing the same players every every time now, 
but like I, I would say no. I would say you definitely see different players all the time in like in your top eights, and you're basically saying, well, don't even show up if you're not going to make top eight. When I'm going to laugh if the if this clown Mars says all this, and then at CEO he goes zero and two. I'm I'm just going to laugh because he registered, but the other guys didn't. So um, no, uh, number one top players don't deserve early registration. They don't. You're you're going to get treated like everybody else. Uh, same thing like I think other people complain about 8 a.m. pools uh, showing up to your pools on time, uh, show up on time. And uh, yeah, like no, like you already have privileges because you probably get are going to get paid to fly out there because you're a sponsored player and your team's going to send you out there. The person who's going to go in too probably spent their own money for to register for the tickets for the hotel, wherever they're staying at and everything to get there to go into. Like I, I went to Convo Breaker knowing I was probably not going to make it out. But, like, and, and I, to me, I feel like that's a slap in the face to anybody who is just trying to play games. Um, yeah. God, fuck Smash players sometimes, I swear to God. Um, Tom, uh, G- uh... Games are supposed to be fun. Yeah. Justin? What? Okay, right, we're moving on then. <laughs> okay, um... <laughs> no, I have nothing to say. I mean, Smash players are the worst, but I have nothing to say on this topic. Yeah, so sir, we're moving on. Okay, so we got one last thing to talk about before we move on to our own personal topic, which is the Kazuya presentation <coughs> in Smash, in Smash, uh, which was released earlier this morning. In fact, you, you can actually listen to Tyler's audio version of of the uh, of the of the direct uh, that happened this morning. It's on Chartshot.com right now. Um. Uh. So yeah, this is this is a really cool in depth and. I'm not a Tekken player. I the last time I played a Tekken game was Tekken three, like actively. Um, and I was surprised on how complicated Sakurai and his team made Kazuya. Oh yeah, he literally has almost all of his moves from the games. Like uh, basically, his the whole gimmick is that in Tekken, uh, every button is a limb. You have four face buttons to work with: right punch, left kick, uh, left, uh, all that stuff. Um, but Smash only has two buttons, so uh, how do they make this work? Well, they have uh, devil commands for uh, the specials, like you have the laser beam and the flying and stuff. Uh, and as for the actual moves themselves, uh, normally you have the regular tilts, like, you know, up A, forward A, regular A, all that stuff. Uh, they're all different commands, and you also have directional commands, like you would in Tekken as well. Like, uh... Down forward plus two in Tekken is uh, Kazuya's uh, Demon Fist, which is pretty much just a savage right hook. And uh, it's basically the same command, but it's down forward plus A. And yeah, there's a bunch of moves, and they all have different properties. And they an- almost all of them animate exactly as they do in the original series, with the exception of the Demon Scissors, which looks kind of weird in this game, but I'm not too bothered about it. Uh, so yeah. He looks really cool. He looks really faithful to uh, his Tekken counterpart. Uh, they they keep the Tekken flow uh, intact, and I really do appreciate that a lot. Um, I'm also uh, really excited for uh, all the musical choices that they made uh, regarding the DLC pack. Uh, one of which I fucking called Moonlit Wilderness from Tekken 5 is going to be in the game, and I could not be happier... If you haven't listened to that track or seen the stage it's attributed to, go check that shit out. It is great. I love it. Uh, 
And also another thing that I predicted is uh, King and Nina being spirits, uh, portrayed by uh, Zero Suit Samus and Incineroar. Uh, so yeah, that was another cool thing that I called out. Uh, they also uh, announced some uh, knee costumes, which I'm pretty sure Ben was going to get into. Uh, two of which probably actively anger people, but I don't really mind as much. We got a uh, knee costume for... Uh, Dante from the Devil May Cry series uh, as a sword fighter. And we have Shantae as the brawler. Uh, and they also added in uh, the Burning Town theme from uh, Half Genie Hero, which is neat. Uh, they also added in the uh, Dragonborn uh, costume for the Mii Swordsman. And uh, also they put in Lloyd from uh, Tales of Symphonia. Which I think is a holdover from Smash 4. Yeah, he's the, he's sure. the last of the legacy Mii fighters. Yeah. So everybody's here, you know? Yep, everybody's here. Uh, all that's left is uh, that one final character, which will be the last character for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Mm -hmm. As to who it is, we have no clue. It'll probably blow everything out of the water. It could be completely average. It could be completely trash. Who knows? Uh, all I know is the, the roster in Smash Ultimate is absolutely perfect, and I am so happy that all these third-party characters have so much representation. It's just great. I love it. Plus, we can now officially say that it's Super Smash Bros. Ultimate featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Yeah. Put that, <laughs> put that sticker. Also, Devil May Cry fans, you're not funny after the hundredth person put the what the hell is this clip already. Stop. Yeah. One person Stop. did it. That's enough. You're not funny after that. Stop it. Um, your guy was deconfirmed. It's okay. My girl was also deconfirmed. It's okay. At least... They're still technically in the game, though. Yeah. At least they have representation. Yeah. They clearly weren't going to get it otherwise. Yeah. So yeah. this is something. My favorite win. thing was somebody tweeted out, and I put this in our private Discord, but I found it so, so funny. Um... That are very glad to see Dante as a Mii fighter. Now people can pretend to play Smash the same way they pretend to play Devil May Cry. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I found that really, really funny. So that's that's cool. Uh, you also put in the Devil Me Cry tweet. Yeah, Devil, yeah, Devil Me Cry. Yep. Devil Me Cry is really good. Um, so yeah, I haven't actually watched this presentation yet because I haven't had any time today. But... I am curious how they, like, because the, the intro is talking all about, um, like, how you can't just put a Tekken character in Smash. Like, it's fundamentally different. And granted, that's the same yeah. for every fighting game. Um, there, but I liked kind of the, the deep, like, analysis of how Tekken plays versus how Smash plays. Yeah. Um, it's like he said in the in the Terry presentation that... Sakurai definitely knows his fighting games, so yeah. he has to drop those knowledge bombs on us. Yeah, yeah. and so I'm, I'm really curious how they make that work. Like, mm. I don't really care about the character, but I like the idea... Blasphemy. ...of the, you know, the different fighting games being represented in a faithful way in this fighting game. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of times you see, like, the crossover games, like X-Men versus Street Fighter and uh, Marvel vs. Capcom and that kind of thing... And, like, they don't really feel like the original characters. Okay, they I'm just gonna feel like they you, have their you're moves. You're going to need to stop there, because that's wrong, but okay. 
I said a lot of times. Not every time. Those are those are bulk bad examples of they don't feel like they're characters. Like those are just the first ones that came to my mind. I'm gonna pounce on you. If you said Street Fighter Cross Tekken, then yeah, exactly. Right. That would have been more well, sure. Actually, that's even that's even a bad example because the Tekken characters at least feel like like Tekken characters in 2D at least in that game. As close as you can yeah, get. Like, anyway. Yeah, like yeah, it's a fundamentally. It's just not the same though. Yeah. But it's like they're taking like the cross characters and making them feel like they play in the game engine that it's using. Yeah. Yeah. Really goes to show that Sakurai really does care for these characters and uh, the games that they come from. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah, I just, the stage is really cool. I like the crunchiness you get when you throw somebody through the Mishima Dojo. Um and yeah. uh, Kazuya again, again, not a Tekken player at all, but I just love how hard he hits. He looks like he hits like yeah, a truck. Um, That's always been his thing. Uh, he's he's basically the hard hitting dude who rewards your patience with incredibly hard hitting combos. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll try him out. Definitely. I don't know if he'll be me. And then you'll play Tekken Tag Tournament, and we will be friends. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, yeah. not friends now. I like his <laughs> alt costumes. Like the yeah, the, the suits. Uh, DLC for the most part have had like way cleaner and like different uh, alt costumes than just like a you know color reskin or whatever. And I wish they'd go back and redo some of the others. Like I saw some people on Reddit after Metroid Dread was announced saying that they would pay for like a DLC uh, alt costume of. Samus's dread costume. And like I totally agree. Like if they would just add in, you know, obviously they're done with characters after this this next one. But if they want to keep releasing DLC, release alt costumes, echo fighters, that kind of thing that like doesn't take a lot of development, but like yeah. people will pay for the cosmetic. Absolutely. I'd love that. I would love that very much. Okay, we got to end the show because Weasley won't let me alone. Yeah, uh, we got our one. We got one final topic to go through, which I think it will be pretty good. All right, so out of uh, we oh, did yeah. a poll, we did a poll, um, and once again, I won again because my polls are my topics are superior. Uh, I don't know why, but I was just post advantage. I was, I was watching a lot of just nostalgic videos of like old console games, and I was like, I fucking. One video had the PlayStation One iconic startup sound, and it just made me start thinking. So, boys. Out of the classic video game startup screens, obviously starting in like the the thirty two bit era, um, what is what is some of y'all's favorites? Justin, you can go first. Okay, I'm trying to annoy him so much that he leaves me alone. Um, my my like, if I had a top three, I guess um, it would be. The Game Boy Advance, um, and they're in this order, by the way. Uh, Game Boy Advance, um, PlayStation Two, and then GameCube. Mm. So GameCube's number one because it's just that, like, you see the memes of it all, all the time when, like, you know, it goes on forever or whatever. Like it loops and, um, or like transitions into something else or whatever. But like, it's so iconic that do 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 boom. Um, 
It even has the little monkey there, and if you hold down Z. Yeah, you can change up the sounds and everything for it. By the way, I realized I did the, the Kirby theme instead of the GameCube theme. Um, I I lost my notes there. Anyway. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Um, and the PS2, like, is so calming. It's like, you know, the blocks come in, and it's just like... That I uh, I had the legacy um, PS4 dynamic theme, and it just has that really nice like PS2 menu music, and it just like it gets you ready for a fun gaming sesh. Yeah. Like it just puts like whatever issues you're having, you know, as a as an angsty high schooler or whatever. In my case, um, they just get washed away. As the sea of the PS2 startup screen envelops you and says, come on, have some fun. Yeah, I know, right? And the Game Boy Advance, like, it's it's just flexing its color on you. Because it's, like, you have the regular Game Boy that's just like, ding! And, like, it's not that exciting. But then the Game Boy Advance, like, bounces every letter in with all those hyper color. <laughs> And it's it's really nice. Plus, like that one, I just remember because like I played a lot of Game Boy Advance as a kid, um, so I saw that that startup a lot. But now, like a lot of the modern ones have decent startups, but you never see them because you just put them in rest mode. Um, so it really is those like those classics before you know you could put your console to sleep that are the real uh, MVPs. That's all well, I got. I have three, and they're all going to be from roughly the 32-bit era. Uh, number one, number three is the Sega Saturn. Um, at least the American version, because the Japanese version is very different. Like, I don't know that one. It was. Uh, I'll put a link in our, and so you can watch it. It's like a very short clip. I already ha- I have them all up. Okay. Uh, it's it's cool. like again, most people didn't have a Saturn back in the day, but I was very lucky. And it's just how the like you can hear the the you can see the polygons come in and form the Sega Saturn logo, and it was just like, yeah, this is gonna be something special. And it is cool. It, it, it had a cool, just mystical like you're entering a new world of of video gaming. Um, it's oh, it's like it, again, I really wish Saturns and Saturn games weren't so expensive. Otherwise, I would totally have one. Um, but here we are. Um, as for second, if you know me, you know it's not a surprise, but it's the Sega Dreamcast. Um, the yeah, the sort of, also solid. The etherealness of it, uh, the bread dotness, and uh, making the like, making the Dreamcast cup, and then the orange swirl. It just it's just like oh, it was like the next evolution of the Saturn startup screen, and like. It's just like, uh, and I, I remember seeing a funny video retained to Sonic Adventure because I had a very similar, I think pretty much anybody had a Dreamcast had a similar experience. You turn this on and it's, it's, it's like in the summer and you're trying not to wake everybody up. And it's very quiet. You play this. Yeah. Startup screen. And then with, with Sonic Adventure and like everything, the audio is super loud for some reason. Um, <laughs> oh, but it's just. Oh, it's just so nostalgic for me and just the way it sounds. But if I'm going to pick, like, uh, the my favorite, 
and you, it may surprise people based on like my preferences, but I have a lot of memories with it along with my Sega Saturn. The PlayStation One intro, that oh yeah, that intro, and the, and I I was I remember being so mad when I got a PS3. And I was like, my friend told me, hey, you know you could play PS1 games on there, right? And I'm like, oh, really? And I'm thinking, oh, I can play the music again. It, they, they cut it from the PS the PS3 re-releases, and I hate that so Well, the Sony Computer Entertainment one, uh, at least. Uh, the PlayStation logo. Yeah, but it doesn't there. have the... It doesn't, it's all one thing. It just says the Sony. That's yeah. it, and it's not the same. And I hate it so much. Like... This, this, like, and I talk about, like, the Saturn entering another world. This felt like I was entering another world. And, like, like I, I distinctly remember putting Tomb Raider into the, into my PlayStation and just going, like, the way that it sounds, it's it's like a spaceship opening up or something. It's, oh, it's it's hard to describe, but, like, you just, it's just like that, hmm, that je ne sais quoi. My thing with the PS1 is, like, it's just a logo. Like, it's a static screen. Like, the music's great, but it doesn't have that, like, you know, welcoming animation to it. Whereas, like, the PS2 intro, like, the the visual changes depending on how many memory blocks you have in your memory card. Like, it's such an iconic thing. Yeah. To me, it was just the sound. Like, that's all, that's all it needed. That's fair. Like just like establishing this is this is the power to me it was saying this is the power of Sony and this is the power of the PlayStation because you didn't have an intro a startup screen on the sixty four so like that to yeah. me is what made this interesting like whoa holy crap um, you know and, and to me it made playing games on that on the PlayStation much more memorable Sony please why why did you cut every all this out when we released these games like, why why anyway. It's it's just so good. Tyler, wrap us up, please. Okay. Uh, so mine are going to be a bit similar to everyone else's. Uh, it's mostly just sentimentality in, on my part. But uh, my first pick uh, out of the three that I've chosen, uh, the first one is also going to be for the PS1. Uh, hmm. Mostly because back in uh, Christmas of 1997, when... We got our first PlayStation, and uh, we popped in Crash Bandicoot 2 for the first time. That Sony logo popping up and the PlayStation logo coming up with the music and all that, like, it was the future. Mm -hmm. Like, the only thing that we had uh, back then was the Sega Genesis, and that didn't really have, like, a startup screen. The closest it had was... I don't know if you picked that, if that picked up on the audio, but it was basically the Sega. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll probably edit it in, but, uh, yeah, that was the closest we had, and, uh... Do you just have a plugged-in Genesis over there? Much... No, it's, uh, the Sonic Mania thing. Uh, it does the Sega thing, uh, when you, uh, flip the switch. Oh, nice. But, but anyway, uh, that was really cool. Uh, my second pick is gonna be the PS2 as well. Uh, I just love the startup screen. It's just so soothing, uh... It's also another Christmas memory that I hold fondly. Like, uh, I got the PS2 on uh, the launch uh, year that it came out uh, in Christmas of 2000. And uh, one of the first games I got for it was Tekken Tag Tournament, which is still one of my favorite games ever. I'm going to be working on that review very shortly. If you don't expect that soon. Uh, but yeah, turning on the PS2 for the first time 
and just seeing that black screen uh, with all the blocks and stuff, uh, with uh, the little jingle and all that, it was like going into the future, man. Mm. Like, we were so used to the PS1 at that point that we were not expecting this leap in quality. And uh, it's just really special, you know? Uh, my third pick is going to be the PSP. Uh, mm. I like the starter screen in that one. It It's just a tinge of uh, nostalgia for me as well, although not as much as the PS1 or 2, because I play the PSP a bit less, but enough for it to make an impression on me. Like, I just love the the white screen with the bring like the little guitar riff. Like, it's, it's something special, and sometimes I boot in a Tekken Dark Resurrection just to hear that uh, boot-up screen. That and the play Tekken Dark Resurrection, because that game's so good. You guys should play Tekken. I have Tekken games in my arcade cabinet, but they're not the same single player. Yeah, that's true. If you're going to do Tekken, do it on the home consoles, because in Tekken Tag Tournament, the PSU version, it has bowling and better graphics. Mm. Okay. But yeah, that's it for me. Okay. Sorry, I had to reach for something. Alright, that's going to do it for this episode of the Charge Shot Games Cast. Thank you everybody for tuning us live, which is at Twitch.tv. We're live every Monday at 7pm Central Standard Time, roughly. Uh, and of course, um, please go to ChargeShot.com for all our content, of course all our shows, including the much against my belied reasoning, the Atomic Shart. Which is, is that almost over? Is it? Is it almost over? Yeah. Okay, good. We watched a good we movie this week, though. I don't believe you. Yeah. I don't believe you. Um, it's good just, compared to everything else. Right. Yeah, it's a, a pile of shit is still up on top of a pile of shit. It's still a pile of shit. Um, <laughs> so uh, be sure to check out that. Um, Justin will probably go more in that in a minute. But uh, I, I want to give an update on Cinema Shot. That will be coming out by the time this episode is out. Uh, the Afterwards, Cinema Shot will come out. So um, I we didn't record the second episode because I just wasn't mentally feeling it yet. But I feel like I'm ready. As ready as I can be. Um, so Cinema Shot will be coming out. Again, the first episode is Justice League, the Flashpoint Paradox. Uh, again, the, and then from there, we'll be doing uh, Justice League War as following that. And then uh, the plan is, after we finish a, a franchise of movies, or a series of connected movies, rather, uh, we'll be putting a vote to the community. So uh, Tyler will pick a franchise, I'll pick a franchise, and you guys will decide which series we watch. So there'll probably be breaks in between episodes at that point, but I think that's fine. Okay, uh, Justin, please plug your stuff. You can find me if you look for Zero Score on Twitter, YouTube, or Twitch. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but me and Ben are going to start streaming Resident Evil 5 this week. I Well, we would have already by the time this comes out in audio form, but point is resident evil 5 is on this twitch channel twitch.tv slash zero score um and it's been a long time since i've played it and i only played it through once like kind of you know carried by a friend of mine so it should be fun um and i also have my uh Ratchet and Clank videos out, and then the uh highlights video from the dark alliance gameplay we did I will hopefully have the Rift Apart review out in the near future. Um, Heh. I see what I did there. (laughs) 
I have a lot of notes. Um, I'm just still collecting gameplay through the the second run of the game. So um, I could theoretically record any time. I just I don't have gameplay yet. So yeah, it's a process. Um, and my whole weekend was taken up because our basement flooded, so I didn't get a lot done. Oh. Um, it, yeah. So that's all I got. Oh, and like you said, Atomic Shark. Um, I guess that's not all I got. Uh, so we, I think when this episode comes out, we will have um, uh, Mega Shark versus Colossus, which you. is the most recent of the Mega Shark movies. So, and it's actually not bad. Don't believe him, folks. Don't believe him. He, it's, this is what we call this least. is what we call Stockholm syndrome when you just watch bad movies all the time. <laughs> I mean, hey, you won't know unless unless you listen to the show. So, you know, your move, audience. Show is better in the movies. It's true. Never. I actually never. thought this this episode we just recorded was a banger. Never should have. There was some fun that. stuff yeah, in there. Fun. Never should have greenlit it at all. Honestly. Um, okay. You still like fun? Yeah. We did Atomic Shot together. What do you mean I don't like fun? <laughs> These are fun to watch. By the way. Also, fun fact, um, as of uh, June 25th, uh, it's the one-year anniversary of Atomic Shot and when I joined the show. So, yeah, there's that. Happy Chargerversary. Yeah! <laughs> Favorite thing I've done on this, on this, on this site. Um, Tyler, plug your stuff, buddy. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Hey It's That Ty. Check the pinned tweet down below to take you to my YouTube channel where I do tire shoes reviews, where I review old ass fighting games. And I just put out a new episode, and it's not just an old ass fighting game, it's an ass fighting game. Masters of Terrace Kasai, the Star Wars PS1 game that I do not have many fond memories of. So check that out. I had fun making it. It's probably the most outlandishly edited out of every, anything I've done so far. Uh, it's taken two months to make, but it was totally worth it, I think. Uh, I also stream on Twitch at TireShoes1 at twitch.tv, where I am doing Fire Emblem Three Houses. So, uh, that's been pretty fun so far. But, uh, yeah. Uh, aside from Atomic Shart and uh, Cinema Shot, that's pretty much what I've been doing. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash marvelousiggy for all things related to the marvelous one. I'm slowly coming back to Twitter normally now uh, versus just looking how I have been. Um, I tried to stream this week and I thought about it. I thought about it. But ultimately, I just just couldn't. just didn't feel it. Hopefully, this coming Sunday uh, will be different and I'll resume Mass Effect. And I don't know what I'm going to do for my Tuesday game. I thought about just doing Sonic Adventure. Um, Tekken. But we'll see. Um... I have no idea, honestly. Uh, and, um, yeah, you can find that live at twitch.tv. I do plan to keep my schedule of Sunday, Tuesday, and Wednesday live. Um, but uh, I hope I'll, I'll just have to see how I'm feeling. Um, I just didn't think I had the energy. I think slowly I'm getting it back. Um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, and, again, thank you, uh, thank you all for listening and watching. Check out all our content at chartshot.com. Again, Atomic Shot, Atomic Shot, upcoming Cinema Shot. Hopefully, the wrestling uh, pay per view watch alongs that Thomas and I do will be coming back. 
no word on whether those shows are going to go on the WWE, on the Peacock since they changed everything. So no word on that yet. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening, watching, and we'll see you all next Monday for another episode of Char- uh, the Charge Shot Gamescast. But until next time, stay charged. Have a good night, everybody. Laters.